Welcome, everybody, to the Big Book Roundtable podcast. I'm sitting here around the table with David G. and Nikki M. And in this podcast, we do a snorkel through the Big Book where we're reading several paragraphs at a time and getting insights and and learning some history and and some personal experience, strength, and hope. Um, And today we're going to continue on this uh, in Bill's story, starting on page four and reading through about halfway down page five, where we get into Bill's a lot of Bill's story. But before we get started, let's just introduce ourselves real quick. I'm Justin B. I'm a son of an all-powerful and all-loving God and a recovering addict, and I'm grateful to be the host of this project as well as part of the this. I have stewardship with the Rico Twelve family of recovery resources. It's 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 an awesome experience and something that I learn from every single day. David, why don't you take just a second, introduce yourself, and maybe tell a little bit about a project you're working on. All right. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you, Nikki. David G. I'm an alcoholic and an addict of many sorts from Oklahoma. Grateful to have been in the rooms for almost three decades now. I'm sober in Alcoholics Anonymous, Sexaholics Anonymous. More than that, I've I've recovered from a hopeless state of mind. Uh, you know, I've uh, man, I've been really busy with work and working with others and and just spreading God's message all around the world throughout the uh, through the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the work therein. Uh, I've recently uh, had to step away from the 12 Traditions workshop that I had uh, been doing. Uh, we got up to around three or four, and I had to stop there because of things going on in life. But I'm ready to jump back into the middle of that and to carry on that workshop to the end. So that's something that's going to be coming up here sooner than later. So thank you, Justin. And I'm excited to hear that. I love these workshops that you've been doing, David. So I'm glad to hear that they'll be starting up again. Nikki, talk to us a little bit about, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about a project going on in your life. Hi, everyone. I'm Nikki M. And I'm a grateful member and a child of God. And I'm an addict of many sorts. And the project I'm working on currently, and I have been since I lost my job in the pandemic. If you're listening, we're in 2023. And uh, I'm working on being my new job, which is a servant of God. You know, when you fill up those applications, I just started writing lately, like, not that I'm looking for a job, but if I go to a chiropractor, any office or anything that I'm filling out where it says occupation, I just put servant of God. And the one I'm working on currently in that area is to be a wife, because I will be a wife one day, because as you know, I'm leaving in three weeks to go to Luxembourg for a month. I live between two lives, one here in North America, another one in uh, Europe. And long story short, I don't know how to be a wife. I got to learn this stuff. Awesome. Thanks, Nikki. Love that project and best of luck to you. Not even luck, best of blessings to you. Awesome. All right. We're going to read, like I mentioned, starting on page four of the fourth edition of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in Bill's story. We're going to pick up where we left off last time and we're going to follow this uh this uh, spiral down here with Bill, and we'll read through page five, the bottom of the first full paragraph there. All right, here we go. Abruptly in October 1929, hell broke loose on the New York Stock Exchange. After one of those days of inferno, I wobbled from a hotel bar to a brokerage office. It was eight o'clock, five hours after the market closed. The ticker still clattered. I was staring at an inch of the tape which bore the inscription XYZ. 32. It had been 52 that morning. I was finished, and so were many friends. The papers reported men jumping to death from the towers of high finance. That disgusted me. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. My friends had dropped several million since 10 o'clock. 
So what? Tomorrow was another day. As I drank, the old fierce determination to win came back. Next morning, I telephoned a friend in Montreal. He had plenty of money left and thought I had better go to Canada. By the following spring, we were living it in our accustomed style. I felt like Napoleon returning from Elba. No St. Helena for me. But drinking caught up with me again, and my generous friend had to let me go. This time, we stayed broke. We went to live with my, my wife's parents. I found a job, then lost it as the result of a brawl with a taxi driver. Mercifully, no one could guess that I was to have no real employment for five years or hardly draw a sober breath. My wife began to work in a department store, coming home exhausted to find me drunk. I became an unwelcome hanger-on at brokerage places. Liquor ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. Bathtub gin, two bottles a day, and often three, got to be routine. Sometimes a small deal would net few hundred dollars, and I would pay my bills at the bars and delicatessens. This went on endlessly, and I began to waken very early in the morning, shaking violently. A tumbler full of gin followed by a half dozen bottles of beer would be required if I were to eat any breakfast. Nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation, and there were periods of sobriety which renewed my wife's hope. Man, we're, we're, we're watching the destruction here. We're watching the tailspin happen, and uh, I'm excited to hear what you guys think of this and what some of the, the things that you draw from it and can relate to in your own lives. Let's start with you, David. Tell us a little bit about what you can uh, share with us, the history of this, and what applies to you in your life. Well, you know, of course, this is whenever the stock market cr uh, crashed in our country in the late 1920s. And, um, you know, up to this point, Bill had been very successful, although his drinking was interfering quite a bit. And we begin to see now, like you said, the tailspin of this. He is really spouring downhill. And that's exactly where I found myself, not only in 1994, but in 2019 with sex addiction as well. When I see that word abruptly, that doesn't mean, you know, it, it, you know, it came little pieces at a time. It was like quickly hell broke loose on the New York Stock Exchange. And I can look at that, you know, abruptly in September of 2019, hell broke loose within the life as I'd been living it after 25 years of sobriety and Alcoholics Anonymous. And if you're new, that's not a requirement to be here. You can recover. <laughs> Provided that you uh, stay spiritually fit here, you don't have to go through what I went through there. Uh, I love what he says. You know, I wobbled from a hotel bar to a brokerage office. It was eight o'clock. The market had closed. The ticker still clattered. And it seems like after we sober up, if we look at the ticker as our mind, it's going to continue to clatter. It just is. But there's one who has all power and that one is God. So <clears throat> that's what we're looking to do here. So we see where he where he goes broke, and that's exactly where I was at as well. I mean, I was broke in all areas of life. I mean, I'd torn a bicep. I was off work. I'd been discovered from lust. I'd ruined a fellowship. I was asked to not circuit speak anymore, hold any more big book studies at conferences. Uh, so many things was going on in my life. I, But I'm like him. You know, it says the papers reported men jumping to the death from the high towers of finance. Bill says that disgusted me. I would not jump. Why? Well, fear, of course, you know, I mean, he did what any of us would do. We'd go back to the bar, whatever that bar may be, you know, whether it be eating, whether it be uh, pornography, whether it be lust, whatever it may be, that's the bar. And, and I'm like him, I go back to that. And so, um, 
But I love what he says at the end of that next little uh, uh, paragraph there. As I drink or as I act out, the old fierce determination to win comes back again. And this is when Bill, you know, he he telephones a friend in Canada and, you know, he says, hey, this guy's got plenty of money. I better go to Canada. Well, I'm exactly the same way. I'm going to go wherever I think that I can fit best and I'm going to be the best taken care of. But what I don't realize is the very thing that has beat me down at the top of this paragraph is the same thing that's fixing to beat him down when he gets over here. There's no God consciousness in his life. He is running completely on self-will, just as I was. And so, you know, he goes there and, and his friend has to let him go because of his drinking. And this time they stay broke. Uh, top of page five, I become an unwelcome hanger over, hanger on at, at the brokerage places. You have to remember, Bill has been the golden boy of Wall Street up to this time. People has loved him. He has had ideas that has brought millions of dollars to people. And now all of a sudden, they don't want him there. It's like, move along, man. I mean, you're, you're running our business. You're embarrassing us. Go. And that's the same thing that happened to me. I would show up at places and they would just shake their head. And what a feeling that is. I know what that feels like. You know, he talks about, uh, you know, being able to do a tumbler full of gin and if he's to eat any breakfast. But the part that catches my eye here is this. Nevertheless, I still thought. That's the key word here. I still thought I could control the situation. Why would I think something like that after I've been beaten down so much? In the doctor's opinion, it says that we cannot differentiate the true from the false. And that's exactly what that sentence represents right there. And that's exactly what happened to me. Even though I was beat down, it wasn't like, okay, God, let's go do what you want to do. It's like, hey, who can I call to help me get out of this deal? Somebody tell a lie for me to support the lie that I've been telling. And, you know... I get sober for a little bit. My wife thinks that things are better. I can remember in 2019, and I don't want to eat up a whole lot of time here, but in 2019, whenever I was discovered for sexual acting out, it came in piecemeal. She was, she just said, David, tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. Just tell me the truth. And I'd give her a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. There were periods of sobriety that renewed her hope. But the day came when I had to sit down and I said, you're not going to like what I have to tell you. I mean, if you really want me to tell you, I will tell you. And her one question was, how many women has it been? And, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't count. And that was the most awful time that I'd ever had in my life there. And like he says, things get worse. Gradually, things will always get worse. But in this story, in the history of it real quick, is that he gets another business opportunity in 1932. He sobers up a little bit. He says, man, I see what the problem is now. It's this drinking. And so he, he puts together this this uh, group to buy. And uh, one evening they're all sitting around the uh, table in a, in a hotel room and they're passing around a jug of Jersey lightning. And so it comes by bill and everyone's taking a sip and he says, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking. But as he goes on, the mind begins to talk to him. Hey, we've never drank Jersey lightning before. Maybe just a little sip would be okay. Slowly, the lie whispers. It comes back around. Bill takes a drink. And just like he says right here, I went on a prodigious bender and the chance vanished. That always happens to us. So we've got to watch for the lie. We've got to watch for the lie. So I'm going to shut up because I've talked too long. But thank you. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Nikki. David, thank you. Love, I love hearing your experience and your knowledge and background of this. 
I'm grateful for for your your shares there. Nikki, tell us a little bit about some of the things that jump out at you in your own uh, experience from what we've read today. Okay, well, thank you, guys. And and David, you can never talk too much. I mean, I'm always watching Justin and our brains are exploding all over our books. So thank you for all that knowledge. Again, and I'm just going to parrot what um, David talked about. It's like hell broke loose. My line out says certain trials and low spots ahead. See, we're going to read that, that there's just going to be stuff coming at us. All This is the human race. Things are always coming at us. Hell broke loose. You know, I had a baby at 18 and I was never going to be a single mother again. Well, as the grip of my progressive disease gets worse and my fantasy addiction and I, I just now need, need a husband and I need a baby boy. And then I grab somebody, a hostage and wake up and go, that's not what I want. I'm a single mother again. That was my worst nightmare. I thought I was going to die. This time, though, when all hell broke loose during COVID, because I totally am armed with the facts about myself and life with this book, things just got better. Miracles. So there's there's that. When Dave, you know, where it says men was jumping and, and it disgusted me exactly what David was talking about. I mean, he read a lot of the things that are highlighted in my book. And it says, I would not jump. Why, everybody? Yeah, fear, because why? Here it is. I'm too afraid to live and I'm too afraid to die. See, I'm that person. I'm too afraid to live. That's not for me. Everyone else gets a great life. I'm just this and then too afraid to die. Well, uh, duh, duh. what's going to happen to my kids? Like it gets real crazy. And then I go back to, as, as David so, so lovely says, like does a bar, a man. I just go back to the life that I know that is easy, says my line. And this one, tomorrow's another day. See, I'm in insanity. This is all I know is this crazy lifestyle. And, uh, and the geographical, well, I didn't go to Montreal. I went to Toronto from Orange County, California. I just, I am Bill W. It's so rad. This last paragraph where he, where he talks about like, it's just getting worse. Like five years pass and he's just getting worse, not better. And my note at the bottom says, it just creeps up and I don't even know what's happening. I just think, you know, my life's okay, but it's just creeping up and I'm not even realizing that because I can't differentiate the true from the false. And on page five, across the way, if you've got your book open, because we're on page four here, they talk about this lack of perception, this disease of perception I have. And we'll talk about it on our next episode more. And I, I love where he goes, I went to live with my parents. Like, this is the, again, the tornado. I'm destroying everyone's life. Why? I'm unwelcome everywhere. My line out says I'm a loser. Oh, Nikki, don't call me that. Don't say that about yourself, Nikki. No, I've lost everything and I want to die. And liquor ceased to be luxury. Money, and men, men and money are no longer a luxury. I have to have, because don't you know, if I don't have a husband, I'm going to kill myself. I've said, I think every birthday I said that for a decade. If I don't get a husband by my next birthday, I'm not going to make it to 38. I'm going to die. I get real weird. Right here, became a necessity. And my line out right there where it says, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. I have everybody, we cross an invisible line. David just talked about it. Sober. We're crossing an invisible line. And I still thought, I still lie. Everywhere I have in my book, it says thought in my book where it says thought, I put lie. Could control a situation. I'm powerless. It's all lies. And it's like I renew hope in my family and myself. And that is totally 
master manipulator. Manipulator. I'm a master manipulator, and they talk about it on page 61. See, I'm the actor, and sometimes I'm quite virtuous. I'm kind. I'm considerate. I'm patient. I'm loving. You know, I'm I'm all I'm self-sacrificing. And yes, Nikki M is even modest. <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm mean. I'm egotistical. I'm selfish because I'll take you and everyone around you hostage. And I'm a liar. I'm dishonest. And it says, you know, I've got a variety of traits. So this is what happens. This is who I am. I'm unwelcome. I'm a loser. I'm in the grip of a progressive illness. But I can't live and I don't want to die. Yeah, thank you, Nikki. You know, one of the cool things about being the moderator of this is I get to ask questions and oftentimes I don't answer them myself, you know. But there's there there's something that jumped out at me from this reading that I feel that I need to to speak on because it just it hit me so hard. And it's this uh top sentence of page five, I became an unwelcome hanger on at brokerage places. You know, one of the things that my sponsor did with me when I worked step three, and one of the things I do with my sponsees when I work step three with them is I, you know, we, we get a new employer. Justin Incorporated is defunct, is bankrupt, is shut down, is shuttered up. I am not allowed there ever again. I am fired and I never can go back to Justin Incorporated. But you know what? My little brain here, this little ticker, keeps telling me, hey, you can go back and fix that up and paint it up and it'll work out real well. And and I become an unwelcome hanger-on. The security guards that are posted outside of my boarded up Justin Incorporated just shake their head when I come back. I'm unwelcome there because I'm just going to mess it up. Um, and uh, that's just something that really hit me there. And I'm I'm grateful to have that additional insight and visualization of it from, from that sentence. All right. I do have a couple of questions here we'll get into real quick. David, you talked about you related the ticker that was still going five hours after, after it was closed. And you related that to the brain. I love that. So how can you quiet that ticker when it's still clattering hours or days later, David, when, when it's still just going and won't shut up how do you quiet it now well one of the prayers that I always use is god re please remove the veil that i may see what is really happening here and not be intoxicated by stories and fears and that's something that helps quite a bit but one of the, the one thing that i have found that will always always shut that down and is found on page 84 of our big book. There are five simple things that I'm asked to do on a daily basis. One is to spot the thought. Two is to ask God to remove it. Three, discuss it with someone immediately. Four, make amends quickly. Notice the word immediately and quickly. And five, if I've harmed anyone, then I resolutely turn my thoughts, keyword there, to someone I can help. Once I turn my thoughts, I don't even have to help anyone. If I can, that's great. But the book's asking me to turn my thoughts to someone I can help. And if I will do that, that quiets the ticker. And it begins to, my mind begins to go in another direction. So this becomes one of the most powerful steps of all of the 12 for me. When I start a person through the 12 steps, and I've had a lot of people say, you shouldn't do this. I don't care. I've got 30 men and some women who have recovered from sex addiction uh, from this, and we're not stopping it because we live in the world of fantasy as addicts. This tells me to watch for that. 
And as you're coming, as I start them in step 10, I have them doing a nightly review in uh, step 11 on page 86 from day one. And then we move to the front of the book and begin to read together and work the steps as they're outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So to answer your question, step 10, that's the answer for me. It, and once I discovered that, the ticker might run a little bit, but it's not going to run off. I'm going to be able to pull that back with the directions outlined in our book. So thank you, Justin. Yeah, and thank you for sharing that, David. Since since I heard you share on that step 10 uh, fairly recently, sometime in the last year, I have also adjusted the way I sponsor and bring my guys into step 10 and 11 much earlier in the process. And I don't wait until step 10, 11 anymore because it is it's such a powerful tool to, that can be used. I don't have to wait to use it. It can be done at once, immediately, you know, as it says in there. Excellent. Nikki, question for you. When the when the words or the thoughts of um, I can control the situation or I got this come into your mind, how do you recognize that? And then what do you do to get those words and that, those thoughts out of your mind? Well, gosh, that's a great question. And, and it just it's just all one big thing, which is our thought life. See, I know I'm armed with the facts, everybody, that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success, says our book. I think that's on page uh, 60 or 61. It can hardly. So my thought life, see, I now I'm armed with the facts. I know I have no control because it's been, I've taken all 12 steps and I do them every day, all day. So how do I know that like, let me get back to that page. It was page four where it's like, I can't control. I cannot control anything. I still thought, see, it says it's a lie. I can't control anything. I don't know if it was this, this episode or the last episode where I said, I, I fill out that I'm a servant. See, I'm a servant. I've, I've been brainwashed everybody to believing that being the CEO of, like Justin said, of Nikki Inc. or being a rock star or being, you know, sitting on a private yacht in the middle of the Indian ocean is, is I've, I've arrived. Really, this is the highest title is being a servant, serving others, wanting nothing in return. My thought life, I am in a thought life 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I am no longer in control of anything. This is, oh, I think I use the word radical too much. So let's just go here. This is real extreme. Okay. This is so extreme thought life. Love it. That's radical and real extreme. Love it. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks, David. Um, we'll wrap this up here. I am so appreciative to be able to have the honor of being on this round table with David and Nikki. And we'd love to hear any feedback that any of you have out there. If you have any uh, feedback questions, um, insights that you'd like to share with us, consider sending an email to rico12pod at gmail.com, getting in contact with us. We'd love to, to you know, maybe give some feedback on anything that you have also. Um, go check out what Nikki and David have going on in their in their recovery, in their lives, in the show notes there in the, in the podcast, and keep coming back here. I mean, this is a good life. Jump in and walk this path with us. Work it. You are worth it. 